Hi, this is Rich Buckler. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Super, ex- super excellent. I don't know. Shit, shit is falling. Tony's peeling plywood off the wall. I don't know. Baxter laying down. Hi, Baxter. You, think the, you would think the man, the man didn't do forty-seven other podcasts in the last week. Right? He's been stepping out. I got, out, I got out of one just ten minutes ago. He's like, you oh, see that? That hurts my heart. What? I hate that we're just part of your process now. We're just part of your marketing machine. I thought we had an exclusive contract. Listen, you guys need to work on your reach then, if that's what's going on. <gasps> wow! How dare you? Just being hurtful. I didn't wait. I didn't. I didn't know Tony had access to our Slack. Yeah, now I'm just being hurt. Now I'm just being hurtful over here. Shit. Yeah, what does he know, and how does he know it? Damn. I'll tell you what, people playing at home. This is Eleven O'clock Comics, episode nine hundred and two, and I'm Vince B. Oof, you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. It's true. I mean, and apparently we're all nobodies, but I guess I'll still be Kill Wolfhead. <gasps> you didn't. You're not kill wolf. You're not Wolfhead. You are Jason Wood. Everybody together again. And guess what? He's back. We call him Kid Spadoinkle, but you know him <laughs> as Tony Fleece. Hello, everybody. Uh, feral and local man, bad girls on FOC this month. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> all right, Tony. Thanks for stopping by. Now we're gonna get to the show. No, hey, if I had that many things, I'd be all up in it too. I yeah, have too many yeah. things. Think, time to buy your time to buy your summer home. Yes, oh. things Listen, that you will eventually shut up. Things that I'm you will a, eventually be able to find at cheapgraphicnovels.com. dot com. Hey, right. <laughs> yeah, cheapgraphicnovels.com dot com have everything you want: the omnibus editions, trade paperbacks, collected editions, OGNs, manga, all that stuff, massively discounted. You're not going to pay retail ever again. And once you've placed your first order, because you love to save, you're smart and sexy, you will get an email saying thank you for ordering. You're going to reply to that email saying 11 o'clock comics sent me and you will receive free shipping on your second order or your next order. It's amazing. Just go there. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. Sorry for cutting you off, Tony, but I had to do the promo because it was a nice it was a nice segue. Well, and, and why we're giving Max some love, congrats to him and his band on the record release coming up. Yeah, Ooh. that's a great thing. Yeah, a little half past two. You know, I keep Max's uh, CD in my CD player because I have one of those uh, cell phone holders that, like, sits like you lodge it into your CD player, like it sits, <laughs> use the CD player like a, mm-hmm. like a you know, yeah, box. So I have had a CD yeah. in there for like five years, uh, and it's Max's. Every time I accidentally switch over to CD, I, I listen to Max's whole CD. Wow, is that when you walk CD downtown? Nuts. With your, your collar all popped and your high tops and the, the cuffs folded right. up. <laughs> I, I put on my spats and I go out for uh, my galas that I go to. Oh, God. You're a funny bastard. You really are. We do all right. Uh, yeah. I'm drinking. Me too. It's not alcohol, but no. I am drinking. Yeah. Um, I'm drinking some, some blackberry lemonade. That's what I got. A seltzer or just... Uh, flavored water. Interesting. What is this seltzer? No, it it it, it is carbonated, but minimal carbonation. 
And it's okay. so, it's sold by Walmart, Clear American. It's just delicious. I buy it by the case whenever I can find totally it. Do you, do you have to actually set foot in Walmart to buy that? or No, we have it delivered. Okay. That's a oh, hey, yeah. one percenter over here. Because <laughs> that place is... Yeah, and and fifty percent of the time, the person that delivers it brings the stuff to the wrong house. So I got to walk over to the other right. house, grab all my shit, walk it all back. Yeah, Walmart employees. Yeah, I mean, like you're that's like a three mile walk given the palatial estate that you live in. That's probably why they did it. They're just like, this is the closest house. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the bags have mushroom stamps on them. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what you drinking, Jason? Uh, oh, I am drinking iced tea. Actually. Hmm. Unsweetened, no doubt. Well, artificially sweetened. All right. A little stevia in there, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What you got, Tony? I'm doing, uh, well, so, th- th- like I mentioned, we have FOC coming up. This is the the weekend before we find out if I have money or not. So I have doers, <laughs> but it's the cheap kind of doers. It's the cheapest. <laughs> it's, the, it's the $30 bottle, not the the $50 bottle. Of doers, uh, Scotch whiskey. It's more like the triers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> doer, do nighters. <laughs> Damn. How about you, Daddy? Uh, I, well, I, I've already downed half this bottle because I take a drink every time Tony says FOC. <laughs> this is. Uh, <laughs> this Local Man Bad Girls. <laughs> this is uh, actually, for Vince, this is uh, 90 points from Wine Spectator. Ooh. Uh, it's Fuerza. It is 75% Monastrell and 25% Cabernet Sauvignon. And it is uh, from. I can see it. I can see it. No, I can't. Uh, wow. It's imported by uh, some people in New Rochelle. But it is. Um, oh, oak barrels. Yeah, it's, it's imported. I have no idea where the hell it's from. But it's pretty good. It's a good red. Excellent. All right. right. Business has been taken care of. Now we got to get to the comics. Tony. Yes. Well, comics and comics related. Tony, what's up with this comics one thing that you you stiffed us for? (laughs) Comics Pro. I missed out on the. I'm, first of all, congratulations on 900 episodes. Very proud. Appreciate you. Said the message that I left. Clearly, you wish we had more reach, but that's cool. <laughs> I do too. Well, it's nice to not have to do a million of these things. <laughs> you used to go on kayfabe then. Oh uh, yeah, make sure you wear your sunglasses so you, yeah. you can look I'm like a, a sure. real tool. I've got. I hired a guy to do social media for me right now. Wait, what? Listen, <laughs> it's very important that this book does well. Wait, let's uh, let's pause for the cause. I have questions. Yes. How does one find said person, and 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 then what is the going rate for a social media manager for a independent comic book creator? Here, let me tell you. It's a it's a buddy of mine who's a retailer, and he's he just he's been doing a lot of his own social media uh, outreach, and he's been doing pretty good with it. And he's wants to start to lean into doing it for books and creators and stuff. And so he's taking we'll do it for us. <laughs> sure. I mean, I could put you in touch, but. Uh, I'm the first one. It's very affordable because I'm the first one. So we're just seeing how it goes. But I, I, after today's like the first day and after today, I'm like, this guy's doing way more than I'm paying him for. So we'll see how it goes. But he was like, I'm trying to get you on kayfabe. And I was like, those motherfuckers do not care about new comics at all. So like, good luck with that. Um, well, where were we? Oh, 
I was in Pittsburgh. I was at Comics Pro in Pittsburgh when I, when I missed your uh, 900th episode. Uh, I was hanging out with Dave and uh, his lovely wife, Jenny, and the Pink Ranger uh, and, and Porn Sack out in Pittsburgh. So break, break down for the listeners what Comics Pro is. So uh, I went to this in uh, 2021, right before COVID. Uh, it's an it's a organization of retailers. I think there's probably like 500 or so uh, retailers that are members, maybe more. I don't know the, the exact number. But at this show, uh, like 150 were sort of there in person representing. And then there's like an online component as well. But it's sort of like you're the stores that give the most of a shit about sort of like being uh, like f- figuring out how to be the best comic stores they can be. You know, it's industry a, trade organization, it's a tra- basically. Yeah. yeah. And all the retail or all the publishers go out there and the distributors and they sort of that they'll break news there. They'll introduce new products there. They'll sort of uh, go go meet with the retailers and see what they could be doing better. There's like a real they have these roundtables where they can do back and forth. Um, and so like um, DC went out there and they uh, broke the news that they were going to move from Tuesdays to Wednesdays again because like it's just putting an extra burden on these comic shops to have to have two new release days every yeah, week. Yeah, I assume that was very well received, right? It sure was. Yeah, and there and and the I I found out the main thing that these shops care about is like shipping and returnability. So like they would say stuff about like you know three percent uh, over cost or one percent over like they, all these sort of like industry shipping terms and stuff, and they would just be like, oh, that's not going to work for me, and I'm just like, oh man. I understand at all what you're talking about, but it makes a huge difference when when you're every week you have you know thousands of dollars of comics come in, and then it's either one percent or three percent or six percent uh, on shipping, you know. So it's they're really sort of like dialing all the way in on the details of of retail business at this thing. Um, but yeah, Diamond was there, Lunar was there, DC and Marvel were there, Sabolsky was there, and Dan Buckley. Um, and Boom was there, and I was there uh, with Dave Wachter talking about uh, talking about our new book. When I went in 2021, um, a friend of mine, uh, Ed Greenberg, who runs Collectors Paradise here in LA, was like, "If you're gonna launch a new book, you should go to this thing and talk to these retailers because they're like the the best of the best retailers." And if you have a, if you're like a, uh, at that time I was like a person that nobody had heard of, you know, if they weren't reading My Little Pony comics, if you have a new thing, it's best to like, you should be able to get in front of them and show it to them and say, this is what I got coming. So I made this preview copy of Stray Dogs at the time and took it to them. And it, and I feel like those early comics pro retailers were a lot of the initial support of Stray Dogs where sort of like we knew we were going to be okay from issue one. Because we had sort of gotten out there and showed people, like, here's how you pitch it. Here's how you sell it to your customer. Here's what it looks like. And so since I'm launching so many books right now, I was like, well, I should go back. Uh, So I took them uh, copies of Feral and copies of Uncanny Valley, my new book with Dave. And I took them, like, local man promo stuff. And and, uh, I went out there. My my Dynamite editor was out there. And we talked uh, uh, Army of Darkness when people want to talk Army of Darkness. So I was just really like getting in front of these people and saying like, all right, how did it go? You know, how was Stray Dogs? Are you ready for more? And and hopefully they're ready for more. Although it is, I'm in a real sort of like question mark, stressful time right now because they all seem ready for more. But the comics market is so different right now because people are back at work and there's not. Yeah. 
effects and all the numbers. Are, I mean, I've sort of been here the whole time watching the numbers go down with, you know, like while we're making Local Man. So I'm just like, you know, really hoping to to launch this this uh, book feral high enough and and uncanny valley both high enough that we can do as many issues as we want to do you know it's a it's, a, it's weird times in comics mm-hmm. yeah it's a different different day yeah yeah well so i mean how, finger, how, fingers, many, how many independent like how many creators are there like because i know you mentioned a bunch of publishers and you but like are there you know other creators that we would know also they're like pitching their stuff or are you kind of yeah. an outlier um so uh, Pornsack and Jesse Lonegren from Man's Best went. Uh, Pornsack's a buddy of mine out here in L.A. And Jesse Lonegren is from like the Midwest somewhere, I think. Um, and then uh, Ed Brisson was there. And Matthew Rosenberg was there. And he was giving out preview copies of like new image books that he's coming out, got coming out later this year. Um, and like I said, the Pink Ranger was there. AJ, my homie. Amy Joe Johnson. Uh, what is what that? Was that? Like a little intro as you run down the names. It's great. <laughs> Sexy music when we talk about it. It's a theme song. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think who else was there creator wise. Not too many other people. Oh, uh, Greg and Fake were there. Uh, oh, nice. Um, Weird ass dudes, right? <laughs> what's crazy is they're not they're regular they're real i nice. think they're pretty weird honestly we've yeah. met them a few times i mean they're they're pretty i, I mean I, they're pretty shy for comics creators i think oh shy for sure and they like live in mexico I, their whole yeah. thing is weird to me i understand what's going on but i like i've been a supporter there since way before santos sisters i have right behind me on my wall i have a greg and fake piece hanging up so i met him at like a show in texas and i was like these guys are kind of geniuses yeah, I love their art. I, I think Santos Sisters is a little, little yeah. uh, anticlimactic, but I, I think they're great artists. I, I heard you like talk about. I hadn't I hadn't read more than one issue, and they gave me all all mm-hmm. four or five of them. Um, now I, I get what you're saying. Like it's a it's a little bit uh, the one, one thing happens over and over again, but yeah, uh, but beautiful to look at. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a bunch of people were out there. Um, and I've been telling people ever since, obviously, Stray Dogs went really well. So I, I tell people, like, you should go to Comics Pro. Uh, you should go tell these retailers about your stuff. Um, but so there's the there's the part of it where you just go and you make presentations and you can sort of, like, run into retailers in the hotel lobby and around the bar. And then they have this thing called roundtables that's, like, speed dating, where you get 10 minutes with, they, they send around like a group of three different retailers at a time and you just get to pitch all your stuff at them. And when I did it in Portland, it was like I, I had gotten a table for one of the sessions and they have like four sessions, one or two of the sessions. Um, and then like uh, in Portland, like Helioscope Studio had a table and a few other creators had tables. Um, and so I just figured like, oh, a bunch of people will get it. But at this one, uh, they, I was the only one that had a table. So like they would go see like Scholastic and, you know, Ahoy Comics and, uh, and like Lunar and, you know, like all these publishers and distributors. And then like the last stop on the tour would be like me and Dave sitting there and we'd just be like, hello, uh, we're just guys. Uh, <laughs> we, we also have comics for you. So we, uh, I feel like it was a nice change of pace because we were only, I mean, I have a small publisher's amount of comics coming out, but it was it, it was nice to be able to just focus on a couple of things and just talk to them at, at the. I feel like they sat us sort of at the end of the roundtables, and we mm-hmm. 
we just got to sort of like uh, finish them off. Uh, And we did a sketch cut. We made this uncanny Valley ash can and we put a blank sketch back on it. So Dave could, even though he didn't, he could just charm on his own. He didn't need to, but he just sat there and did sketch covers the whole time. So (laughs) people would show up and he would knock out like four sketch covers in 10 minutes. And while I was, you know, talking to these guys, talking to these retailers. It's interesting. Like I got, I sat in on because you know you you pay for the roundtables. Like I paid to be there, um, and so I would also get as part of that I could get like the free breakfast and lunch and stuff. And, <laughs> and then when you get when eating the lunch, they would do the presentation. So I would watch, you know, like the you know Dan Buckley's keynote address or like the your Viz Comics presenting what they have coming up or, or stuff like that. So it was interesting to watch what all the other publishers were coming out with and, um, you know, what, what people were getting excited about. It was interesting to see. Excellent. Excellent. The one part that I liked the best was the only part I saw was the video of you and Dave where where Dave stepped out front. And it, like I said, it's rare for us to see that because Dave's always been like, um, the, the art sidekick guy, but, Dave was actually doing the speaking, and he, and he yeah, said you're yeah. one, you're one of his favorite people. And I'm <laughs> well, wondering, happen, right? wondering what kind of drugs you fed Dave before the the speech. Uh, well, remember Dave used to have a podcast of his own. He had the Wactor Factor. Yeah, <laughs> I love that name. No, I did remember that. That's right. And it's how it's how people know to, how to pronounce his name. I think on the, for the most, like if they remember back that far, because some people say Wactor. That's um, weird. But yeah, I, I do think it's weird that he always sort of finds himself as the as the silent partner, you know, when when he also like he's he's very astute and smart and <laughs> like he he's charming and funny, like he could talk all, all he wants if he wanted to, but he he also can draw a lot, so yeah. he sort of sometimes I was finds a little, that a little surprised when uh, in in the video when he was running down uh, the books you two have have worked on, and and of course. Scar tissue was was referenced, and and I'm surprised that he didn't end it with "It's not a superhero comic," because that's the one thing whenever anybody would bring it up, whether it's on the old CGS boards or even in uh, at conventions, they'd see scar tissue. They'd see that first issue with the Superman pastiche, and everybody just assumes superhero, and he just he'd be adamant it's not a superhero comic. It was I, I, I love that about him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that is strange that he didn't bring up the old scar tissue tagline. I thought it was interesting that he didn't bring up that we did tell him Johnny Watt is here together. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, that's right. Comic. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like that was uh, a, a good thing to leave out probably in front of everybody. Like, <laughs> get our YA comic. Uh, you may remember when we did a porno comic together. <laughs> yep. Friend of the show, Christina Merkler, former president of Comics Pro. Yeah, she was out there. She 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 pulled Dave aside because she her and Dave know each other from the CGS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lunar, I mean, she owns Lunar, so. No, of course, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were lucky enough to get a, a little preview, of, actually not a preview, the whole first issue of Uncanny Valley. And I think you made a very wise choice in Mr. Wachter. Man, oh, man. How cool is his artwork in this thing, right? It's amazing. I yeah. Think it's I, I think it's stunning. I think it's stuff. I think it's cool too because at New York Comic Con we heard from both of y'all. Well, we heard from him specifically, and then we 
asked you about it because we were like, wait a minute. Proof yet again that Tony doesn't love us as much as he professes because we had to hear from from Dave that he and Tony had a project they were working on together. And we were like, wait, how did we not know this from Tony? But uh, but yes, he he and but he wasn't sure at the time it was going to get over the finish line, as I recall, because you guys were in in heated negotiations with the publisher over over, you know, the economics. But it looks like it got over the hump. Yeah, he made it work. Uh yeah, that that is why I did not tell you about it earlier because I was just like, I hope they get Dave, you know. And then when he <laughs> told you guys, I was like, well, they must have figured it out, or or maybe it was just a clue that he would have taken any deal. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if I recall the conversation, he, he it wasn't over the hump yet, but he was saying he was hopeful because he wanted to do it with you. Yeah, yeah, it so. was it was uh, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. It's it's really interesting because um, when I pitched this book to Boom. I gave them a PDF of like all my stuff. Like it had, it still has stray dogs in it and like, you know, Jeff Steinberg and like all my creators. It's what I would like. My agent had, my manager has it and um, it, you can send it around to people to show like, this is the kind of shit this guy thinks up, you know? Um, but it had uncanny Valley in it and it was just text and it had like a little logo, but it's this idea that I've had for a long time. Hello. And, uh, Ooh. Now I'm lost. <laughs> are you, are you reading your mail? What is that note that just keeps playing? Somebody, it's it, not. It's not me. Mail coming in. Yeah, not me. So I don't know who's, who it is. But continue. <laughs> uh, oh, so I sh- I showed Boom the PDF, and they just they were like, "We this sounds cool. Let's do this one." So they picked it just based off a paragraph and like a little fake ass logo that I had made up. Um, and so then it was like figuring out what the artwork looked in it, looked like in it. And I, and they were sort of leaning when they were first looking at artists into a real cartoony space. Like they were like, well, this is a cartoon book. They kept really cartoony people at me. Um, and I, and I was real adamant. I was like, it needs to be somebody that can draw very realistic stuff because the majority of the story takes place in the real world. And then when the cartoon stuff happens, it should, it should feel like it's, uh, it should like, it should feel like a shock when you, there see should it. be a juxtaposition. Is what you're yes. saying. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It should feel like a juxtaposition. It should be a shock to see a cartoon standing here next to this clearly real boy and his mom in a real place. Um, and so, um, I had talked to Dave about doing it. You guys watched that video I posted, but I talked to Dave about doing it like 10 years ago. And I said, like, what if you did this where you, and you just drew the real people and then we would have, you know, like one of my friends from my little pony or me or somebody would do the cartoon characters. And he was like, that sucks. I don't want to do that. That sounds boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like just draw real people. And then somebody else gets to draw the fun stuff on top of it. Um, but I've been watching Dave, you know, and I've been been reading his books this whole time. And I was like, I bet he could do the cartoony stuff, too. So I, uh, they were pitching me all these, like, very cartoony artists who are great, but just, like, this needs to look like a certain kind of thing. So I texted Dave. I, I messaged my editor, and I said, what about Dave? And he was like, if you can get him. And I was like, I bet I could. So I texted him, and I said, remember that thing we talked about? could you just do the whole thing? And he was like, yeah, easily <laughs> because nice. he's an artist, you know? Um, and so, uh, and so then 
that that's when they went into negotiations. So it was it was a matter of like first did he want to do it? Do you think he could do it? And then it was a matter of like, could they pay him as much as he would make, you know, working for Marvel or whoever else? That's, that's really why it's like, why this book is a boom is because I needed to somebody to pay for it. Cause it's a, it, it's a book that takes, it has a more complicated art style than any of the other stuff I do that I do. Cause it has to have somebody draw real, like real people and cartoon people. And it's a, it's a lot to keep straight. Yeah, that was okay. So that was another question I had: is why boom? You know, since you're doing obviously stray dogs and feral at image and the economics and imager, pretty much you get to keep almost all of it. So, um, so there's your answer: you had to pay Dave. Is basically the, the issue. Yeah, I get paid too. It's nice. It's nice to get a little check every once in a while before the book even comes out. And then, do you guys hmm. split the the like IP or do they own it? No, we split it. Boom, boom has. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Boom has half of it, and then I have ha- a quarter, and Dave has a quarter. Okay, right. I'm saying okay, so it's not like okay. Yeah, I was wondering like that, like similar to like Vertigo or uh, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, because even though even though like Neil Gaiman, Sandman, it's still it it it's still oh, like Skybound, right? Isn't that the Skybound yeah. model too? Yeah, yeah. So, Tom, I mean, now you got you got multiple books coming, like you said. What? How do you? Like, how do you balance that you have multiple books coming out? Like, in in the sense of like, I presume you have a greater sense of confidence and expectation in Feral because whether or not they should, people are going to perceive it as like the sequel to Stray Dogs. You know what I mean? Like, and that was such a big hit. Is that is 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 that? Do you feel like more sure that that's going to be an economic hit for you than than? Uncanny Valley just because it's completely unknown IP or, or is it like, how are you feeling about it all? I mean, I want to come back on the show in one week and tell you how I feel because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to feel. Like it is, it is fucking scary, man. Like, uh, co- comics is like, the so you have market. no idea right now, like what the number, like you just have no clue what the numbers are going to be. They've got initial numbers, but so many people don't even order their books until FOC. Uh, I didn't want to know the initial numbers cause it would just, <laughs> I don't want to know the initial numbers because it would just drive me crazy. So, uh, so I don't know. I have no idea what Feral looks like. Um, I, I have no idea what the local man one shot looks like, and I and I especially have no idea what Uncanny Valley looks like. Um, we're, you know, we've got numbers that we've got in mind uh, for all of them that are that would be like that. That would be good. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's weird out there. You know, it's a it's a weird ass time for comics, um, and. Like in my head, I'm like, I with Farrell, with these books, <laughs> this is how I think. I'm like, I can be the Buffy season eight. I can be Walking Dead, you know? Like, let me be the book that comes out every month and gets people to come back into shops. That's what I think. But nobody else fucking thinks that. Why would they? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm straight dog, baby. I'm coming back and I got new shit. And people will come back for it every month, but but that sort of confidence is hard to to sell to retailers who who are on the street, you know, like out there having to try and sell these books every month and and sort of seeing diminishing returns. So it's uh, it's wild. But yes, I mean, at the, even at the roundtables at this comics bro thing, like people seemed like 
like feral was no problem. A lot of times it was a little bit demoralizing because they would be like, we're going to sell feral, no problem. And then they would just leave. It's just like, what about Dave? What about this other, you know, like what about this other thing? Uh, so I don't know. Like we'll, we'll see. We'll know after uh, March 18th what it all what it all looks like. But it is, boy, oh, boy, it is scary times. Nice. You should never, ever look at the numbers. That's a, <laughs> only a silly person would do that. That's well, I spent the numbers before they act, before they're real before they count. Right, right. Hashtag facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, needless to say, you, if it all crashes and burns, you got a home here. I uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, it does another podcast. So you know, nah. They see they won't have him if he's not. It's like, what can you do for me lately? We we always want Tony. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Everyone else is hype beast, but that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of hype beast, I want to talk about something. Oh, go ahead then. Yes. Jason, I am confident that the doom that you predict for 2024 will not come to pass. Wait, what doom? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, the election? Outlook, just everything. The outlook on 2024, just follow me here, is is not going to come to pass because something has happened that has taken us out of that doom groove and popped us into another more optimistic, more brighter great future you know what that thing that actually shifted the timeline was you're gonna tell us i am gonna tell you two months two issues of savage dragon oh snip everything is good again i got it right here yes um savage dragon 268 now i know we said we're not going to keep pounding the same things over and over and over, but this issue is very noteworthy. Why is it noteworthy? Well, Mr. Larson, God Among Men as he is, capitalizes on the fact that as of January 2024, the Steamboat Willie incarnation of Mickey Mouse is now in the public domain. Mm-hmm. So who shows up in Savage Dragon 268? Not a guy in a mouse suit. Not an imaginary story. The real Steamboat Willie shows up in Savage Dragon. I heard some people saying that this that it's not Steamboat Willie. This could be a real problem because Steamboat Willie, as we all know, is in black and white and has a hat on. And this is red shorts, uh, you know, like two years later, Mickey Mouse, who's not yet in the public domain that shows up in this issue. It seems like there's... There's an argument to be made. Yeah, even I'm, maybe, maybe, but the character in the clothing is Steamboat Willie because he does not have the um, irises the gl- like the regular Mickey Mouse has. So the, you could you can make an argument. For, I mean, yes, it may go to court. Who knows? But the the thing is that Malcolm and Maxine run into Steamboat Willie on the street, and he's if you could imagine, he's horny. He, well, he has some very explicit and very uncomfortable things to say to Maxine. Gentlemen, <laughs> people who haven't read this issue, if you could guess what Eric Larson was going to make Steamboat Willie say, Dragon <laughs> and his horny wife, um, guess what it might be. You have no idea. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it because I think people should pick up this issue. I would love it if, if Savage Dragon sold 100,000 copies a month because I think Larson deserves it. And I think it is one of the best comics when it comes out. That's the problem, right? But in addition to that, another noteworthy aspect of this issue is it features 
what may be one of Larson's top three explicit panels. I mean, I don't want to even describe it to you because it is, yeah, it's something. Um, it, it, it spirals out of the fact that if you read the previous issue, Frank Darling Jr. married Angel, right? And they're consummating the wedding. Uh, not they only did they did it at the wedding itself, but the consummation of the wedding continues, and we see Angel in a very, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's a it's pretty it's something. <laughs> I was going to use it for the featured image for this episode, but I'm like I don't know that's maybe pushing the boundaries of of good taste. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to drop any spoilers, but something happened to Frank Darling Jr. Uh, that caused him to be this ravenous, sex-crazed uh, individual where previously, uh, before the event, he was not. So if you're, if you're a longtime Savage Dragon reader, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But those who aren't, maybe want to read the book, catch up on the book, I don't want to spoil that either. But it is just amazing. And it, it's raw, man. It is just, woof. Um, it's the ending to every great Bukake video. <laughs> the money I would pay to just be able to hang out in Eric Larson's therapist's office, just like pretend, like hide behind a ficus, get behind some bookshelves, just hear what the fuck is going on with this guy. Right. He's just awesome. Like he could do whatever he wants. That's the beauty of Savage Dragon. You never, ever know what you're going to get within the pages of the book. I'm surprised Tony and Eric aren't boys. Are you both LA boys? He's not LA, right? I think he's like Northern California. San Francisco. Oh, is he? Oh, well, that's where Malcolm and Maxine are right now. And the kids are in San they, they They left Canada and now they're in San Francisco. I'm looking at these here images and I see Tony's point. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> they don't call him Steamboat Willie either. They're like, hey, are you Mickey Mouse? Oh, I thought you were talking about the Angel panel. No, I haven't seen that, but I'm saying in terms of the. Because for, for those that don't know, this, I mean, the Steamboat Willie being public domain is a very, very specifically Steamboat Willie. It is, it is like well, they a do very call narrow, him. narrow definition. They call Steamboat him Mickey Mouse, but they also call him Steamboat Willie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there is a story to this issue, too. There's a, a new drug on the streets called Super Juice that um, gives you, basically gives you superpowers, massive strength. And a young girl is bullied and takes the super juice and murders her entire uh, pack of pack of bullies. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Eric does what he wants, right? And uh, he's very apologetic in the letters pages. He's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get this this ship back on track. I, I will. I believe him." Uh, this issue only had usually the letters pages are maybe like four, six pages. This was very truncated. I think it was like maybe two. Three, there's a there's a backup story in in this issue. Um, it's not again, it's not very long, but it's uh, Roughneck, the guy with the screws in his head. You've seen him, and there's a, a new super team of of uh, ne'er do wells called the Frankenstein Force. Pretty neat, um, drawn wonderfully by. Um, it's by Rich Woodall and Mark Welser. It's really good. Uh, Trevor Rubin did the flat colors, and it's just phenomenal. But, it, I mean, it's you blink and it's over. But it's it's great to read. That's another thing. Larson always includes, whenever he can, he'll include back matter 
to Savage Dragon. So you're not just getting Eric Larson. You're getting Eric Larson and friends whenever you pick up an issue. It's worth every mm-hmm. penny. So uh, Savage Dragon 268. It, it's, nice. a, it's a milestone. Every issue is a milestone. Steamboat Bukaki. Two months, two Savage Dragons. Like, what is happening? It, it, it can be nothing but optimistic now. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to go into the light. We're cresting into the good place. I tell you, we get like two, three more this year. It, it's, it's a lock. We're going to be all happy. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to hear it. Whenever I read this book, I always think, you know, like, I think, like, I'm a horny guy, you know? Like, I'm just like a regular, you know, like, testosterone-filled, horny American young man. And then I see this, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Horny. Yeah, he is. Uh, He takes every opportunity to... To show Angel's panties, or yeah. she frequently has nip slips when she's fighting, and and he he's done that with almost all like Dart. He used to love to throw Dart into the into the mix because Dart's costume is just tailor made for that kind of stuff. Yeah, hey, you can, I, I love it. Do what you got to do, man, because you do it really well, better than almost everybody. It just feel, it makes me feel like I need to be hornier. I guess I can help with that. Oh. Mm. There you go. What else do we have? Jackalopes. Okay. It's wonderful how I get the dead air when when. What what do we have? Jackalopes. Take two. Well, listen. Yes, my God. No, do we have to give you the dead air because you were so desperate to not have the dead air? What are you talking about? You gave me the dead air. I, I know. I, I said, I, I, I said the, we had to give you the dead air because you were so desperate to not have the dead air. If I'm going to be honest, I feel like we jumped into talking about Savage Dragon, which I was very happy that existed, too. I have it you know, sitting right here with me. But we didn't really even talk about what fuck Dave did in Uncanny Valley. Let's oh, my go God. Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Give me that microphone. <laughs> Are we saving that for the second, the next episode this week? We could, but you could talk about it now if you want. Is that what's happening? I to tell you the truth, I don't know what's happening. It's true. I'm I'm adrift. It's an absolute <laughs> free for all. I forgot to turn off my do not disturb. Which uh, disturb, ironically, which disturbed. <laughs> disturbed everyone. Uh, we can talk about it next episode. I'm sorry, and I forgot we were doing too. Yeah, you also forget what day we record, what time we record, what our <laughs> what? names are. You forget a lot of stuff, but that's I okay. Didn't get into that. We love I you. Knew exactly that it was what's today Thursday. Yeah. Thursday, February 29th, the leap year. <laughs> That's true, it's leap day. Oh. Happy, leap. Happy birthday, Superman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, word up. Oh. He's looking good for his yeah. age. Yeah. Well, what Vince, else? Who, yes. who was I to start the show? You were Kill Wolfhead. And who is Kill Wolfhead? Oh. Or what's, what's he from? Yodorowsky's uh, Inkle. Mm. Yes. So, last week we talked about... Um, my enjoyment of the Yodorowsky best stuff. And then uh, between last week and our, our recording tonight, I, like I'm sure many people rewatched Dune part one in anticipation of seeing Dune part two here uh, this weekend. And I was like, man, like this is, I'm all about this, this, this Yodorowsky sort of vibe, you know, let me, uh, let me crack open this ankle. Finally, I've only had it on my shelf for a decade. Let me get this going. And not only do I not, not only do I have the ankle on my shelf for a decade, I have three different versions of the ankle on my shelf. 
<laughs> I had never read it because I'm I'm because I have sickness. But um, but I finally did it, man. I finally checked another classic off my list. Are you excited for me? You don't sound very excited, Vince. I gave you dead air. Waiting to hear yeah, I gave I gave you dead nice, air. Nice, nice. Of course I, I am. Of course I am. What you yes. got? Listen, this is one of those books that I don't remember when this was, but it was very early when we were doing the show. And the first collection, the yellow hardcover, was first released. And I remember it was one of those, like, it just caught wildfire. Everybody didn't pre-order it, but then they decided they needed a copy of it. And it was like this hard-to-find thing for a minute. And then since then, they've put out, re, you know, uh, subsequent reprints of it. And then this, this most recently, they put out, a uh, like, an all-black slipcase cover um, version. But... Um, you know, the you always run the risk, right, of because we I mean, even though we've we've collectively read a ton of stuff and, and many of the things people would consider all time great comics, there are inevitably um, works that are white spaces. Right. We've talked about that. Like there are things that 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 uh, we just haven't read, even though we know we should have and we know that they're great and they have great reputations. You just never quite connect to make the time to do it. And and the ankle will certainly add or near the top of the list for me on that. But with that comes the risk of it's so beloved and so renowned that you kind of worry if you wait as long as, as I did to read this that, like, what if it doesn't vibe with you? What if you don't like it? Right? Like, then what? Like, I guess you could read it and then just never bring it up that you read it, right? Um, fortunately, that's not what happened here. Um, this is – I mean, we – listen, we're in the business of praising comics. Uh, but this is magic. It's magical. Like, magical in the way that, like – you it, you are immersed into this strange world, much of which much of which of it is non sequitur. I mean, it you know you don't you're not reading the ankle because you want a super tight narrative that starts at point A and goes takes on a journey and then ends beautifully at point C. Like that's not what this is about. This is far more experimental and um, creative and free flowing than that, right? Like there are definitely you just kind of got to hitch. You got to wrap the you got to wrap the lasso around the neck and just hold on through to your life for the ride. I mean, that's kind of what this is about. But the ideas and the visuals that Mobius lays down in this, it's so stunning because, I mean, as you guys know this already, but but maybe for people that that don't, so much of the visual voice that Mobius lays out in this book went on to inform so many of the particularly cinematic uh, like tent poles of our lifetimes that that are like at or near the center of geekdom like the things that people hold dear from right from Star Wars to I mean uh, you know, like the fifth element to like it's just there's so many things that you see in this book which came out before all that stuff and you're like oh damn you're like okay um, bit of history. This was originally published in Metal Herlant from 1980 to 1988. It was serialized. There's been a grip of posts of other Inkle stuff after that, but the, the Inkle proper, the stuff that I'm talking about tonight, was from 80 to 88. Um, now, I don't remember. Did you, Dap, did you or, or Vin, did you guys read this as it was coming out, or did you read it, like, I don't know. When, when did you first consume it? I read the, Mar uh, the Marvel versions. Okay. Yeah, I am. I am pretty sure. Actually, I don't even. I don't think I even have a copy of it. I don't. No, I. I never read it. I don't remember if I 
ordered maybe on a humble bundle. I don't think I have a physical copy, but I've, I haven't okay. read it yet. Yeah, okay. Epic published it. They were the first. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were the first stateside publishers to 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 get it, and then it was uh, repackaged by humanoids and published as single issues. Then it was collected. Like there's been a bazillion different. Uh, yeah, it is the it is the largest selling graphic novel of all time. Over Watchmen, yeah. Wow, okay. Because it's um, not only stateside; it's worldwide. So, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, it, it would be silly in the in a segment on our show to try and encapsulate exactly everything this is about. But at its heart, it follows. I mean, if there's a if there I guess there's a single protagonist, it would be John DeFool, who we talked about. A, a, few episodes or a month or two ago because Vince brought him up or we, he was in another book and we were talking about how he was a main character in, uh, in this, in the Inkle. He's, he's the star of the Inkle in the sense that he's kind of the, you know, the person we follow on their journey. Um, he is a low rent private investigator who is, um, you know, through no planning or fault of his own is, is just brought into the center of this crazy cosmic metaphysical spiritual journey um which is to say he gets into possession quite by accident of the inkle which is this um you know it's it's represented in most of the book as like a little gemstone but it's this it's this incredibly super intelligent almost um godlike entity ai if you will i guess before it's time but uh um uh, but he gets sort of he inherits it or, or takes possession of it and that just brings him on this crazy adventure where there are different groups who are interested in also acquiring it for different reasons. And he ends up, uh, which, you know, I love getting a band together. Much of this book is about getting the band together and it's people like it's himself. He's got a concrete bird, um, a, a seagull specifically that, uh, is his sidekick and, 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 uh, and he's a snarky motherfucker named Depot. You've got, um, these two super hot, like Mobius, of course, super hot sisters named Anima and Tanata. And uh, they do plenty of banging, including John DeFool. Um, you got uh, the Meta Baron, who goes on. There's lots of comics that go on about Meta Barons after this. And he's like your badass, you know, action hero guy. And he's put on the quest initially of of, of finding John DeFool and killing him. Um, but uh, he quickly becomes his ally. And then there's a Saloon. I don't know if it's Saloon or Saloon. I'm not sure how to say the name. But uh, he is. Uh, well, they are. Um, they are actually uh, trans. They're they're uh, referred to as the as the merger of the male and the female in this book, which plays a big role in that. And uh, and and it's uh, they're a child. They are uh, believed to be the son of the Meta Baron and um, and Anima. But but then we find out spoilers over the course of the book that uh, that uh, John DeFool is actually the father, uh, the biological father. And then there's Kill Wolfhead, who I was at the beginning, who is this anthropomorphic. Um, wolf mercenary he's he's uh, humanoid but he has a, a wolf wolf features and a wolf head kind of like a werewolf giant werewolf on on like a he-man masters of the universe werewolf kind of looking creature um and and they go on this crazy adventure man and again like the whole thing is that for as interesting as Jodorowsky's ideas are where he tries to bring all of these concepts together about cosmology and 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 magic and, and spirituality and and science and 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 a lot of it is pretty intriguing if not necessarily logical i mean it's all about mobius man like just i mean the stuff he does in these pages it's 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 incomprehensible i can't describe it with words you just have to see it i mean it's just i i spent 
many hours on this past weekend reading this book, and I just found myself just holding the pages open and staring at them instead of, which is often the case, which is just flipping to the next page quickly to continue the story. I mean, there are some pages in here that are just, it's just, uh, I mean, I don't even know how to, they're just, they're magical. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The man is just a, a an all-time seminal talent, and able to give life and and passion to these, you know, frankly, pretty wild ideas that Udorowski was laying down, you know? I mean, um, so, and I have to say, I did appreciate that uh, that we go on this journey and then you hold on for dear life and at the end there is a conclusion. Like, it, it is, there is a conclusion. It's it, you, you can read the Inkle and, and never read another Inkle verse, Yodorowsky verse thing, and it's perfectly satisfying. But uh, it's it's magic stuff. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I we could probably spend we could do two books of the month on this and really get deep into it. It's worthy easily, of that. But easily, yeah. but but you know, for for a five ten minute little chat. I mean, the the bottom line is it absolutely was worth the the effort. The juice was worth the squeeze. And I'm not alone. I know, and many of us have a copy of the Inkle because of these different collections that have come out. And I know a lot of us haven't dove in and you need to dive in because it's absolutely worth it and uh and definitely lived up to the massive hype yeah well you kept saying magic it's magic it it literally is magic yeah because the entire thing is is the 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 foundation on which it's built are the archetypes of the tarot because yodorowsky loves the tarot and when your your main character is called john defool that should be a, a red flag that there's something else going on here. So the fool is the archetype of the fool, where um, if if you're familiar with uh, the tarot, the fool is depicted as someone who's on a, a, a quest, on a search for something, enlightenment, uh, the truth, whatever. And if you look at the Rider-Waite uh, depiction of the fool, like the classic depiction of the fool, he's got a little companion. There's a dog. And and the whole thing is the dog is more aware of the impending doom in front of the fool than the actual fool himself. He's he's unaware of his surroundings because he he's searching for something. And the dog is like, "Yo, bro, you're about to step over this cliff." Well, Depot is the dog in the mm-hmm. fool in the fool card. And the, you can go down the list all the archetypes of of the different characters. Like uh, Saloon is is the moon and the sun. Trumps. Uh, I don't want to get into it because we don't have a whole lot of time. But yes, we should do a, a book of the month on, on the ankle because there's just too much to cover in a lousy 10, 15 minutes. You can't do it. Especially where it's the, the stuff that sprung from the ankle, which is like the Meta Baron. The Meta Baron's colossal. That series has been going on forever. And it, it all comes out of the, the ankle. It's nuts. It is on the... Uh since we already have this year's books picked, uh, it is on the docket for next year. Nice. We will, maybe we'll do like more than one. Who knows? Depending on how far we get. It, it's one of those books that is is uh, worth the deep dive, but it almost mandates. You, you just can't gloss, yeah. gloss over it. Yeah, yeah. It's like so stupid. But nice job in, in just bringing it out there. But that's just the tease. Like you showed a little bit yep. of leg, we gotta take the skirt off. Later. Well, I'll finish it with this because I mean, again, I know you probably know this already, but I I found it interesting because years ago when that when that Yodorovsky Dune um, uh, documentary came out, which we talked about on the show back probably twelve thirteen years ago, um, 
I, I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, but the Inkle was his response to that because he had gotten set to make Dune, and obviously they ran out of money famously, but and had to had to scrap the whole thing. And then he took many of the ideas he had planned for his version of Dune and brought them into yeah. what then became the Inkle. Yep. Um, so it's like this very crazy connectivity, right? Where like a failed Doom vision leads to the Inkle, which then inspires much of the things we've seen in Star Wars. And even, I mean, he even sued Luke Besson for the Fifth Element for stealing his ideas. Oh, I mean, it's real close. Yeah, the Fifth yeah, Element yeah, yeah. is very close. Absolutely. So um, Blade Runner. I mean, if you if you if you think of the cityscapes in Blade Runner or Fifth Element or in particular, like the Star Wars prequels. Um, it, it, I mean, they're they're just straight out of Mobius's line work. I mean, it's just it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's entirely possible that they would have come up with similar looking ideas. It's not like it's not like Mobius uh, patented the idea of streamlined spaceships and flying cars, but just the whole visual aesthetic. You're like, okay, bro, like you're these yep. are story you're storyboarding Mobius. Yep, and that's cool. Like, why shouldn't you? Right, you should. I mean, he's he's a genius. But but yeah, yeah. Good job, Jason. Dude. I, yeah, I'm happy. I love um, Lynch's Dune, but I would it would be really cool to see what Yodorowsky would have done with it. Definitely, I agree for sure. Yeah, yeah. I figure. Plus, if 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 we hold it off till uh, till next year, I'll finally end up finding a copy and we'll be able to be able to read it. And this Villeneuve Dune, it's impossible to see in IMAX out here. We're trying to go see it this week, but my buddy was like, "Oh, I booked tickets for it three months ago on IMAX. You, you got, you are fucked." So, this oh, we is, got tickets, but we, we we live in the burbs, so weird thing going on in LA. Where, like the same thing happened with Oppenheimer. I couldn't see it for like weeks after it came out because I wanted to see it at, in the real IMAX. Mm-hmm. I think like here in in Movie Town USA, there would just be like ten IMAXs, but there's just one real one. Mm-hmm. They're hoping that. This uh, part two single-handedly revitalizes the movie industry, at yeah, least at least uh, to the point of getting asses in seats. I mean, they did the right thing. They got Florence Pugh in there. That's what I would do if I was trying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was trying to bring it all Her back. It's horrible, though. What's that? Her character's horrible, though. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. No, no, I don't mean her. Like, I mean the the, the character mm. based on what I know from the books. I'm saying oh. I'm not. I mean the character's behaviors in it, like the way not not her performance as the character. Okay, anyone can fix it. It's my beloved Florence Pugh. I didn't know you were all about that Pugh life. Um, you know I live in the Pugh hive. I, I didn't know that. Her. Yeah, that's exactly my. I mean, she looks just like my ex. She's a very I, I like a Pugh type lady. Mm. Okay, there is one in the movie, at least the first part, that uh, trumps Pugh for me. Ooh, in, in Dune One, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. I love her. <laughs> she is. She, she is. is she's a, in Dune Part Two too. I'm she's sure. a yeah. She's a well. I haven't seen it, so she's a vision. I love her. She's great in the uh, what is it, Doctor Sleepless? The uh, yeah yeah. The she is people. wonderful in that. Yeah, and she's uh, she's she's good in, in in the Mission Impossible movies, and um, there was something else recently, but uh, but no, yeah, she is. She's and, and she's somebody you just can't take your eyes off of. So it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really matter what the hell the movie is or what it's about. Mm-hmm. If she's on screen, that, that's really all I'm looking at. 
Dude, I rewatched Dune Part One this week. It, it's so fucking good. It's so good, dude. Like, I, Villeneuve is incredible. I think he's incredible. I, I think people that don't like that movie just, I don't know. I think, I think they need to like get, get learnt. As a, yeah, well, no, no, you, I don't think you can say that because oh, I can say it. I, I think yeah. Lynch's movie is better than Part One. It's good. The, the new one you is just love Lynch, though. I do, I do. But the new one is good. But Lynch, there, there's so much personality in that movie where I got a, I got a little bit wave of, of uh, the the chills from the new one because it's so detached. Like it's good. I don't want to. I don't want anybody to think I didn't enjoy it. But I think David Lynch's is is I like the quirkiness aspect of it more because it's a weird fucking universe. That I mean, there's a lot of strange concepts in Dune, and Lynch played them up. Whereas in in the new one, I think that. The, the oddness is downplayed a little bit. But it's all right. It's all good. You can love them. Yeah, it is downplayed. I'm not going to argue that. I mean, Lynch's version is wild as fuck. But, but I just think as a film, it's so beautiful and it's so well constructed. And I know a lot of people had an issue with the fact that it's, you know, basically the opening salvo of a story. It's like a zero issue. I get that. Like, that's a fair criticism because if you didn't know going in, it probably were like, wait a minute. The movie feels like it ends you know, mid story, which it did. But rewatching it, I was like, man, like this is so well constructed. I'm like, it's really because I think it's so difficult to adapt the Dune stuff. I mean, like Herbert was a wordy bitch and he had lots of ideas. That's and like yeah. and I love that stuff as we talked about many times. Like I'm I'm a fan of it, but I'm saying like it it is complex. Like you said, there's a million ideas and a million characters. So yeah. to make a movie you have to streamline it in some capacity um but maintain the, the grandness of it and i i i think at least for the in the first half villeneuve pulled it off i know i haven't seen two yet so i don't i don't know if he's six to landing but um but i have high hopes maybe tony daniel took a, a nod from herbert in fucking edenwood because it's the same thing there's so many freaking <laughs> concepts in that book like dude pace yourself I, like the benny Gesserit would be enough alone but th- that there's more than that you know so it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. Wonderful. Ooh. Yes. We got to bring this on home because we're, we're, we're over time. David S- talks about Superman, Vince size. I see. <laughs> hey, everybody. You know what? You better seek out our uh, sponsor, CheapGraphicNovels.com. If you want to save and save big, that's where you go. For your omnibus editions, your trade paperbacks, manga, OGNs, all that stuff. They got it in spades. And they're going to unleash it for a fraction of what everybody else is asking. You absolutely know the drill now. You receive an email confirmation, respond to it. You will be given free shipping on your next order. And please take a look at our Patreon page, 11 O'Clock Comics. No, it's patreon.com forward slash 11 O'Clock Comics, where you have access to two things, a, a bonus episode that nobody in the universe but you will get to hear, or said bonus episode and access to our Slack, where the magical wonders of fandom open and, and camaraderie open to you. So check our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. I want to swing it back from my inner travels to Tony, because I have a question, and I'm going to say, in your travels, keep an eye out for these variant covers to feral because mm. if i don't get my hands on one of them i'm going to be a really mushy cupcake 
I need one? I need the Dawn of the Dead one. Oh, that's the B cover. You got it, man. Easy. So that you that's just like you can get that for the same price as the regular issue. Three ninety nine, orderable. Cool. Now what's what? The most, uh, what's the most pricey cover? Um. Well, so we did. I w- we were sort of looking at James Tynan. Uh, and he would do like one in ten, one in twenty-five, one in fifty, one in the hundreds for the first issue. So we just did that because we're like, yeah, we could do that. Uh, so there's a one in one hundred. We did all three George Romero zombie movies for the first issue. So the one, the B cover, the one that Vince wants is easy. It's just in every store. The the Dawn of the Dead is in every store. And then if you order, I think it's fifty. <laughs> which is crazy uh, you could get the day of the dead cover and then if you order 100 you can get the night of the living dead cover that's that's probably going to be the hard one to get see why did you structure it like that i would think the day of the dead cover would be the one that would be included with the regular issues and then because dawn is more popular than day i mean day's great but it's not the one that everybody immediately says yeah day you know dawn is is the the big granddaddy of the three yeah. It's the most popular because it has a crocodile and it has that scene where dude's like, Joe, fuck <laughs> Joe Pilato. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love that scene. But I agree with you. Dave's really good. Okay, great. I want them all, but I'm not paying that kind of fucking money for them. So, I guess I just do the math right if you're if we're being honest. I, I was just like, Dawn of, the, Dawn of the Dead is the one, the easiest one that I can get done the fastest. And then Night of the Living Dead was the hardest, so I got that done. The last one, and that's the and that's the hardest one to get hold. You see, you may be an evil genius though, because maybe the Dawn will sell regular copies. Oh, I mean, hope so. No, you know what I mean. Which will allow the other ones to be possible. I don't. Shall, I can't wait for one week from now to come back here. I'm just gonna pop in for like ten minutes and just and either say like thumbs up or thumbs down, or we'll he'll, we'll we'll hear the spinning barrel of the revolver in the background, <laughs> <laughs> or I'll play the John Cena music. Either way, yeah. I I also want the Nightmare on Elm Street cover. That's issue two. That's also orderable. I've made this very easy for you. Good news. Excellent. Thank you. Because it's all about me. <laughs> You know what we're about? To, what we just announced on social media—the Jenny Frizen cover for issue three. Those are all. So we're doing this uh, one in twenty-five. There's like a uh, we call it like the cat lady variant. So we got like a lady who's dope at drawing comics to draw our cats. Um, and the first one was Sweeney Boo, and then we got Sophie for issue two, and then for issue three, uh, Jenny Frizen. We just dropped it today. So those are those are sort of like the cool chase ones that are out there as well. Excellent. FOC this Monday. Ding. Jenny Frizen's career has been fascinating because I feel like she's pretty much made a living doing like variant covers, but she's quite sought after. I don't know if she's ever done sequentials, right? Has yeah, no, I don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't. I've always known her as a cover artist. Well, she's real good at it. She's got a statue here in in California, a Wonder Woman statue. Wait, what? So you know the you know the Jim Lee Batman statue that they have in downtown Burbank? Do you know about uh-huh. that? There is a Wonder Woman statue that's based on Jenny Frizen that I think is wow. at the Mark Brothers Studios. Yeah, wow. she's, a, she's a you know she's a statue type talent. Huh. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, she did it. Yeah, right. Done did it. And you can get her cover of Feral Issue Three by ordering <laughs> copies of Feral Issue Three on FOC. I mean, I ordered seventy two copies of it to see. You know. Thank you. God bless. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Was that it? You're in your travels with? That was. Uh, then, mind your travels. I'm not going to go uh, too heavy into it, just because I, I. This is still a book that if if you haven't tried it yet, even though Vince had it on his old Oscars, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Waiting for we're only four issues into it. it still looks amazing. It's petrol head by Rob Williams and Pi Parr. And um, the fourth issue is I, each issue. I, I love how the way I love the way the story is building. Um, it's it's the uh, fourth issue's got some things that uh, it has some moments where you might smirk or smile, but there's also. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a very happy issue, um, but it's still it's still so gorgeous. It, it's it's a beautiful looking book. It's uh, I, I don't care if you don't like cars. If you liked well drawn stories, then this is absolutely uh, right up your alley. I, I um, I'm I'm bouncing around because I don't want to give anything away. You 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 need to experience this book. So, in your travels from Image Comics, by Rob by Pi, it is Petrolhead. There you go. I read all four issues this week for you guys. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, in your travels, check out Phantom Road. Um, I read the first issue. It's written by Jeff Lemire with art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta and Jordi Belair on colors. I read the first issue, which was uh, about nine, ten months ago, and it didn't hit me right away. I was like, okay, yeah, like this is interesting, but I guess it's not like I didn't feel the the tractor beam to you know continue a pace. But uh, but being that it's Lemire, I'm like, well, I'm gonna almost certainly like this, so I've I've kept buying it and. Uh, I was finally up to nine issues, and I thought, "Damn, I should really read this and see." It's like, so like, I'll have to like make sure this is worth the, worth the effort. Um, and it really is. It's it's really strange. It's a strange book. Um, the premise, though, is effectively um, there's a, a trucker named Dom, and he's on a run, and he, through circumstances on this highway, a, a, a lethal accident happens, and he is united with a woman named Birdie. And they basically go on this adventure, this this quest where they have to deliver this strange um, uh, like artifact. And but the weird thing is, is that the world they're basically bridging our world that we know. And then this other world is kind of like a mirror world. And in that world, things are very different. I mean, they're, they look the same in many ways, but they're very strange, right? Like there's there's almost no living beings. There's these strange golem-looking, uh, emaciated, almost like look like Kanker. Actually, they look like characters from Kanker. Um, uh, humanoids that are that are around and they're aggressive, but they're not really lethal. Like they don't seem like they're very dangerous. Um, and 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 for the first arc, I'd say the first five issues, you're just kind of like getting glimpses of all the strangeness and not quite figuring out how the pieces fit. But in the second arc, which we're four fifths through um you really do start seeing all the, the you've at least made the border of the puzzle and you start seeing how some of these things are connecting and uh it's basically like this really twisted hero epic um that they have to go on they have to go to a town called golgotha and deliver this 
artifact, but uh, in the second arc, the artifact turns it to be quite a bit more than an artifact. And I'll leave it there. But uh, yeah, it's really, really interesting. It's strange. I don't know how long they plan on doing the book for. I'm pretty sure it is an ongoing. Um, but uh, but as Tony can attest or has attested, I guess the answer to that will be how well the book's selling because I don't know how well it's selling one way or the other uh, for how long it goes. But um, yeah, it's pretty. It's it's interesting stuff. Uh, I mean, it's Lemire, so of course I'm going to like it. But uh, Phantom Road, check it out. In your travels, um, I picked up today at the comic store. Was is today Wednesday? No, today's Thursday. Thursday. Yesterday at the comic store, I picked up uh, Dwellings number three, which has already oh, won go. Oscars. You've already heard plenty about this book, uh, but I'm just so impressed when a comic book can, when a like a cartoony comic book can make you feel non-cartoony feelings you know it can make you feel real dread real uncomfortable feelings real fear um and so i'm just so like i feel proud is the wrong or is the wrong word but i i do feel like look at them fucking go when i read something like this <laughs> see somebody cartoony succeed in doing something scary like this i mean it does make me proud fuck it i'm proud oh yeah this is cool to see um jay stevens Dwellings number three. I got the second printing because apparently I, I must have been away from the shop when the when the first printing came out. Uh, so yeah, check that out in your travels. Well, there you go, people. Thanks to Tony for joining us on this here thing. Um, you may hear from him again. Maybe. Who knows? Depends on how he feels. Next time. Yes. Get yourself to a comic book shop. Buy some comics. Read them. Talk about them online. And just live your life and enjoy it because it's awesome, right? Say goodnight. I don't have anything queued up because I got all discombobulated. Uh, oh, wait, wait. You could do that. Say goodnight. Is that a Jewish harp? David. Good night. Sounded like a Jewish harp to me, Tony. This out straight about this shit. I am just drunk as shit on you guys' show. Hey, <laughs> <sighs> we're out of here. Tell them you love them. We love you so much. That's it for that one.